very warm welcome to you from Equa Marketing. This presentation is brought to you by Equa.com, a leader in digital marketing. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Growing Dentist podcast show. Today, I'm super excited to have Dr. Thomas Larkin with me. Dr. Thomas Larkin is an experienced dentist who has been active in AOSH and is currently the Director of Clinical Excellence at the Productive Dentist Academy. He's an educator. He has also been a professor. So he has done a lot. So Dr. Larkin, welcome to Growing Dentist. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Thank you, Doctor. Why don't we start by letting our listeners know a little bit about yourself. Why don't you, in your own words, tell us about yourself? Well, you know, in the interest of time, because I know you want to talk about the oral systemic, and I'll, I'll kind of focus on that. And um, that's where this story begins. So in 2013, I went to my first meeting of the American Academy of Oral Systemic Health. I think that was their third annual meeting. And uh, Dr. Bradley Bale was the keynote speaker at that event. And it was then that I really had, it was kind of a transformative moment in my career because I have practiced uh, prevention at a very high level in the past. Okay, I had a very unusual private practice. Uh, my hygienists each had a video microscope. We did, we did uh, biological samples on every patient. So I knew a lot about advanced prevention. And Dr. Bale kind of motivated me to uh, further define what I thought is going to be necessary in the future for the dentists who are interested in AOSH. Because I see words like complete health and total health, but the dentists don't have any idea what that means. So if I was to, to tell you that 8 o'clock on Monday morning, you are now a complete health dentist, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to your office? And I found that no one had the, no one had the answer. So basically, I took a, about 18 months to create an operations manual for this style of practice, a practice that is built around risk assessment first before restorative care. Now, this is the opposite. You know, this is not taught in dental school. I've trained hundreds of young dentists. We don't teach that in dental school. We focus on restorative because basically that's all we have time for, okay? So this is a different style of practice, and um, it's a very impactful, you know, this, this is a life-saving method of practice, and, and we can talk more specifically about what it looks like. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Doctor. So you're saying instead of you know playing defense, you're playing offense. Instead of fixing yeah. a problem after the fact, you're trying to prevent it. And it's right. not just you know being a tooth mechanic. It's really looking at the overall health and the connection and, and the role that the dentist can play in the overall health. Absolutely, it, it, very very well put. You know, I, I don't like to hurt dental students' feelings, but I tell them, I said, what's the difference between a an individual who works for the highway department and they patch. Uh, potholes in the highway and a new graduate. I said there is no difference except the holes that they patch are larger. You know, it's very mechanical. We teach people how to how to fix, uh, put put um, fill holes, repair cracks. Um, you know, this is very very mechanical. So to control biological disease first before restorative, this is nothing new. This is decades old. It's just never this style of practice has never caught on. The reason why the timing is now is because of the research that Dr. Bale and Dr. Donine and a lot of people are doing. And I don't know if you're aware, but in December of last year, the first uh, causative research was published by Dr. Bale and his associates 
that says that periodontal disease causes heart disease. It's always been thought to be associated, but now we have the first causal relationship. So the timing of going back and redefining prevention is, is now. And um, I had the very, very good fortune in December of last year of uh, meeting Dr. Bruce Baird. Uh, Dr. Bruce Baird is in, and Vicki McManus started the Productive Dentist Academy many, many years ago. And Dr. Baird had met Dr. Bale uh, himself and decided that he was going to, uh, to take a focus on this within the Productive Dentist Academy where he trains dentists in practice management uh, protocols. And someone told him that I had written a handbook and Dr. Baird literally called me out of the blue. I'd never met him before and said, I looked at your manual. It's awesome. Do you want to come join us and teach uh, oral wellness? And I said, absolutely, what a great opportunity. I was, I was just getting ready to find a home for my work. And, and that's basically how it happened. That's amazing, Doctor. Let's kind of peel the onions a little bit. Let's go a bit deep. You mentioned the word complete health, right? Can you right. define that for me? Let's say I'm a patient coming in and I'm used to a traditional you know, dentist. So from a patient point of view, what would I see differently? And yeah. then let's get into you know, dentist, you know, who just woke up and he's, you know, he's a complete health right. dentist. You know, that is such an important question that you just asked. That is, that's my favorite question because I see that being undefined. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you back in history to Charles Mayo, who founded the Mayo Clinic. And, and he was very, very focused on dentistry. This was back in 1915. And he talked about the mouth being the largest portal entrance of bacteria into the body. And he knew that there, that there was an oral systemic connection. And there were a lot of dentists back in the day. But once again, the restorative dentists, you know, they always won the day. The preventive did not. So, so the oral systemic connection is technically the influence of bacteria and, and infection in the mouth to the body. It's nothing else. That is it. It's the connection of infection, all right? So it's not faking blood pressure. It's not occlusion. I'm, I'm being very, very technical on this, but this is where we need to start. So when we talk about a practice that's complete health or total health, it all begins with a biological assessment of the patient. And this is where Dr. Baird was doing this years ago. They do risk assessments. One of the hardest things for dentists, young dentists, is treatment uh, diagnosis and presentation. We just don't teach them properly in school. They, they get out of school and they're, they're lost as to what to do. And there's any variety of people on the internet willing to teach them, but there are very few people teaching risk assessment. So in this style of practice, you're gonna be a complete health dentist practice Monday morning at eight. This is what happens in hygiene. The conversation in your office changes. When the patient comes in, the focus is on the bacteria risk in the mouth Number one, for periodontal disease, and number two, for dental caries. They're both bacterial infections. So we need to do a test. We need to quantify. Dentists need to stop rendering opinions by saying, you look like you have gum disease. You look like you have a little decay issue. We need to practice like physicians practice, and we need to measure it. And that's where some of the new testing, the oral DNA, the periodontal pathogen testing, there's three companies now that do it. Um, that's a starting point, but one of the tools that I've used many, many years ago is the video microscope, where we take a sample of the biofilm and we let the patient visually see where they're at, okay? 
So one of the terms that, um, that Vicki McManus um, recently used that I really liked, so instead of presenting a clinical hard sell, we do a biological show and tell. Okay, I, I, that, that had a nice ring to me, meaning we're educating the patient on what it is that's going on in their mouth before we ever talk about repair with fillings, crowns, implants, or whatever. So that's it. It's, a, it's an assessment of, of their biofilm, okay, and we measure it, and we quantify it, and then we treat it to, to completion, okay, and that's not a straight line. Sometimes that, that's a zig and a zag but we measure along the way to know whether we're making progress. And that's where I'm saying in the past, if we did a, a, a periodontal cleaning and a patient came back, we would say to them, you look better. Your pockets are, 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 are more shallow. That means nothing. That, that, that is not a biological assessment. That's an opinion. So this is a shift in a style of practice. It's, very, it's really very straightforward. Um, it, it's not as, as difficult as, as it seems. Um, I did an in-office consultation with Dr. Baird's office, and two weeks ago I went to Wisconsin and I, and I set the program up in Vicki McManus's office. She owns a practice there. And the hygienists were amazed. They, they, they were amazed because I, I knew that I needed to win them over because from my standpoint, the hygienist is the franchise player in this whole process. They're the ones that, are, that have the relationship. Um, they have the, the initial trusting relationship because of the amount of time that they spend with the patient. They are the educators. And so um, it's just a little bit of a tweak. I didn't, talk about, I didn't talk about scalars. I didn't talk about cavitrons. I talked about, I talked about the oral systemic connection, bacteria, and infection, and how to assess it. That's amazing. Cool. So go ahead. Yeah, no, so, so that's, that's, pretty much the, that's pretty much the shift of what we're talking about. So, so I described that practice of the drill and fill as a, as a transactional practice. That's how dentists are trained today in American Dental School. It's a transaction. You have a filling, you have a crown, you have an implant. Um, right. What we're talking about is a relationship-based practice. Sometimes people, they, they misuse that word, and they think they have a relationship in a transactional uh but that's not so. You can't have both. So in a relationship, you know, in a patient-centered practice, you're, 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 you're a, a, a healthcare advocate. You're kind of partnering with your patient in improving their overall health. That's why the entire office, this is a cultural change. The entire office needs to be educated in why, why we are making these changes, okay? Because, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into the research. The re there's volumes of research showing that periodontal infections have effects in, in multiple, multiple systems. Anything that has to do with inflammation in our body, whether it's arthritis, cancer, heart disease, diabetes, is affected by the mouth. There is no question about it. So the dentist is, is on the first line of defense to do this. The dentists just aren't aware of that. And so that's, that's my new mission in life is uh, we're going to make everybody aware of the amazing things that they can do. Right. Um, I, I, there's two things I want to pick up on. So you described, you know, the paradigm shift, right? You know, looking at the biological and then measuring everything and so forth. But is it just treating the periodontal disease? I mean, I'm just trying to understand how would care be different in a traditional, you know, drill and fill practice where it's all transactions, right? I do implants, I do this, I do that. Right. Um, 
from that kind so, of a so practice you, to yeah. this practice? Great question. Great question. I'll give you. I have two points in my in my presentation that I give, uh, and this is technical. Number one, it's it's understanding the use of antimicrobials. Dentists don't understand the use of antimicrobials. The number of people that use water in a cavitron to me is just it's just very sad. Uh, people don't understand that that they create a uh, a bacteremia when you don't when you don't use uh, when you do something invasive and you don't use an antimicrobial rinse you can cause a dangerous uh, bacteremia. That's number one. Number two, very few dentists are locked into the fact that this is a transmissible disease and the conversation in the hygiene room has to change. When you have someone under periodontal care, and if you're not measuring, first off, if you're not taking uh, biological measurements, you don't know where the hell you're at. I don't care what you say. If the pocket can go from five to four and you think you're, you're doing something, believe me, you're not. But if you're not making progress, why are you not talking about, um, it, I call it the lovers, mothers, and dogs. Those are, that's, those are the transmissibility vectors, mother to child, uh, partners, and periodontal disease can be transmitted by dogs, okay? So, so those are the vectors. Those are conversations that dentists are not having and they're not aware of, okay? So in this system, it, it's really, we're using the same instrumentation, we're doing the same appointments, but we're doing an anti-infective regimen, meaning antimicrobial uh, fluid in the cavitron at all times, okay? Um, there's a new antibiotic rinse that we're using with great effectiveness. Um, I'm very conservative when it comes to systemic antibiotics. There's too much, too much information coming around now as far as gut health and how antibiotics can long-term detrimental effects. And so the, the recommended antibiotics that are used for periodontal disease, such as metrodiazole, are very powerful. And if you give those orally, you can really cause a lot of problems for a long period of time. So there's a new company called, uh, well, not a new company, but a, a company that has a patented antibiotic rinse. Um, it's called Oral Vital. And the patient rinses thoroughly, and then they, they spit out. So they get the effectiveness, but they don't get the systemic, okay? So these are some of the tools, specific tools. We treat this, we treat periodontal disease exactly like a physician would treat an infection if you had a cut on your hand, okay? It's very simple. <laughs> right. How would this change a practice? I mean, on a tactical level, I mean, how would, how would a practice like this uh, you know, position itself. How would a practice like this communicate with these patients? Can we kind of go a bit deeper and help sure. dentists who are, who are kind of new to this, you know, who have never heard of this, kind of right. understand? So the first thing that happens, and 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 this has a lot to do, um, you know, everyone knows the power of the of the intraoral camera. That was a, that was a, a a major shift. Any practice management person would tell you that the visual impact of the intraoral camera of showing patients for the first time um, cracked teeth, you know, this and that and the other, you could double a practice in a year with a camera, okay? Well, I was using the video microscope before that. So the power of the visual changes the conversation. The patient for the first time actually buys in. You're not having conversations about pockets and, and all these terrible conversations that, that hygienists dread. So the first thing that happens is 
when when you change the approach and and you change the sequence all of a sudden the patients are they're beginning to become engaged in the process everyone knows how difficult it is to get patients compliant you know in the absence of pain or acute infection very hard you know it takes time to get a trust based relationship to get a patient to move towards something this moves them along very quickly because it makes sense you know the thing the thing one of the things that i like the story that i like to tell is that every housewife knows how important it is that the cutting board in their kitchen is is disinfected if if they're preparing chicken in particular they know that they can poison their entire family so why are we why are we using terms like srp we tell we tell a patient that the hygienist looks at the patient and says you know you got some issues with your gums and we're going to do an srp and the patient looks up and goes what SRP. What they need to say is we need to do an oral disinfection. Okay, you have, you have a bacterial infection. They're immediately going to understand that because they understand the cutting board in the kitchen, if that makes any sense. Okay, right. so this is a cultural change in the office. The conversations and, and the key to the whole thing, now a patient's health history, when a new patient comes in and you have a proper health history, it's just like an open book. It's like, oh my gosh, you have a history of heart disease in your family. You have a history of diabetes in your family. I mean, what percentage of people have that? The majority in America, okay? We have a very unhealthy population in general. All of these people need that conversation. If you have healthier gums, you will use less insulin. That's a documented fact. There's a motivation now. Every patient with, with diabetes needs to be in this special disinfection, whatever you want to call it, program, okay? Um, if you've had a heart attack, we need to, to, to do an oral DNA test and see if you have the, the level of high-risk pathogens, and you got to get those pathogens down because you're going to have a recurrent event. If, you're, if, you're path, or if, you're, if you have periodontal pathogens running wild, you are going to have another event, okay? And so this is, this is really advanced prevention, but all the science is there. And, and that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to bring protocol and science together. And that, that's kind of how AOSH got started. But I think AOSH, from my perspective, they, they just didn't get into a, a, an protocol quick enough, if that makes any sense. Right. And that's why, I, that's why I went off and just kind of created my own protocol. Makes sense. Makes sense. So the yeah. entire conversation changes, right? The, the, the with the patient. Right. It starts right. with their overall health and their medical history, and really getting into you know how can the dentist and his team be a partner in improving the overall health of the patient. Right. Now let's now talk about marketing. A, right. Yeah. Now you have a patient who's sitting up and listening because you know yeah. definitely doesn't want to die of heart attack or you know all those terrible diseases that, you know, a lot of people in the States have, right, because of obesity and all kinds of other things. Right, right. Well, and I think the other conversation that I'm very free in having, people understand, I have the economics, the dollars and cents, okay? Because of the changes in healthcare in the past five years, people now have an awareness of the cost of their healthcare, huge deductibles, okay? They're engaged. Ten years ago, people didn't care about their insurance. They just knew they had it, okay? They didn't care about their health. Now they're a lot more engaged. So when I sit here and say, listen, if your mouth is healthier, your healthcare expenditures 
will be less. That is a proven fact across the board. So let me give you a little incentive. Let's keep your mouth clean and use less insulin, have less heart disease, have less inflammation as far as arthritis, feel better here. I mean, the incentives are there. The key is we have to make our practices education centers, okay? Dentists have always done a pretty good job, but now we need to change our message. You know, the problem is our message has been incorrect. Brushing and flossing is an absolute incorrect message, okay? That's, that's been the problem. That's a broken message, okay? I just call it the string and the stick. There's no mention of antimicrobials, and flossing in the, in the presence of, of periodontal disease is, is almost worthless. You know, you need, to, you need to move into oral irrigation or the use of uh, interdental stimulators with an antimicrobial, okay? Flossing will do nothing if you have gum disease. So, so these are conversations that dentists need to, need to be, you know, schooled on for sure. All right. So what should the message be? I mean, yeah, if it's not just brushing and flossing and come for my clean, come for your cleanings, let's say I'm a new patient and I'm coming to see you for the first time. Right. When I walk away, what do you think I would walk away with? How would my perception change? What would you tell me? Perfect question. Yeah, perfect question. Okay, here's what you're going to come away with. You're going to have have an understanding of risk assessment. When I go to a physician for my physical every year, I know whether my cholesterol is high, normal, low. I'm at no risk medium risk, high risk. So you're going to come away knowing from my office, and we have a very, very intricate form that shows it, you're at high risk for periodontal disease. And if you're classified at high risk, you are also at high risk of the oral systemic uh, effects from that disease. The second thing is you need to be assessed for dental caries. Are you low, medium, high risk for dental caries? And there's a variety of ways to, to, um, to look at uh, dental caries risk, okay? Now, in the Bale-Donin format, there's two additional things, uh, sleep apnea. There needs, and it's a very simple screening for sleep apnea. But I think patients need to routinely be screened for sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is an inflammatory contributor, okay? So uh, you will know your risk factor with that after you see me. And the fourth thing is uh, endodontic risk, meaning I'm going to for sure take a digital panorex. Uh, Hopefully, you know, the, the 3D cone beam is more ideal because it's much more exact at lo- looking at endodontic infections. But the oral systemic connection includes residual infections on, on uh, old root canals. And this is kind of a, this is emerging science, too. It's a little bit controversial. I'm seeing too much connection myself. Dr. Bale was convinced of it. So, so in the scenario which you just gave to me, you will understand when you leave that first appointment those risk factors, okay? Because if those risk factors are not addressed, there is absolutely no reason in the world for me to do a filling or a crown. Why would I want to do a filling? If you're at high risk for perio, high risk for carios, for, for caries, I have absolutely wasted your time to tell you that you need an MOD on number 30. That makes no sense. So, so that's, that's essentially what's different, okay? Now you've engaged the patients in understanding 
their overall health. When I come home from my physician and he says, you're at high risk for heart disease because you have a high cholesterol level, I get that. That's my responsibility. So when you come to me and I say you have a high risk of periodontal disease, high risk of caries, that is on you. That's not on me from that point. That's a big shift for dentists. Dentists take on too much failure that they see on a day-to-day basis, especially dentistry that they did. If you do a crown and somebody comes back in five years with recurrent decay, if you haven't taken a patient through risk assessment, that's your fault. If you have taken them through risk assessment and every time they come in for a checkup and they're at high risk, it's on them. They, they did not take measures, preventive measures, and sure enough, that crown has decay under, and guess what? It's your fault, not mine. Right. It's a different way to practice. Right, right. No, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, it shifts the whole practice. Let me ask yeah. you this. Do you feel there are a lot of people who practice complete you know, health dentistry? No. In a, in a very um, successful way? Oh, in a very successful way, the people that do are extremely successful. Um, no, it's not a popular. It's not a popular. I've heard uh, estimates that it's it's as small as one uh, percent. Okay, I mean that, that have truly practiced it exclusively. But I can tell you that you know Dr. Bruce Baird is one of the most productive dentists uh, in the country. And when I went in to consult with him, it was it was pretty intimidating because I didn't know exactly how I could move his practice forward. And, and um, I look forward to seeing his numbers in six months. His practice has moved forward. He's had a record month ever since I was in there in January. Right. Yeah, yeah so let, who, who are some people that you admire a lot uh, who have made this transition? And, and what's the before and after like? Well, you know, I would say that, that currently Bruce's and Vicky's practices are the most current that have made the wholesale change. You know, we're talking about, we're talking about when, I, when I went in to present, we're talking about the receptionist, the assistants, everyone, okay? One of the things that we did, which was very, very smart, is that we did the, the bacterial testing, the oral DNA on all the staff, okay? So when I went in there, I was able to review the microbiology of all the people that worked in the office. And then, nice. we, took the, then we took the micro slides of all the people that worked there. And it really created, uh, there was really a buzz in the office. It's like, wow, I didn't understand this. I didn't know this, okay? And one of the things that I really want the hygienist to understand is, is using uh, a Cavitron with water and not having proper, uh, a, a proper face shield. They're at risk of acquiring periodontal disease. It, it's very high of them acquiring it from their patients because of that, the micro mist that comes off of the Cavitron. They understand that when I, when I get through with this conversation. They understand it because they see it firsthand. And so you start with the patient, I mean, the team members getting it, and then slowly yeah. you retrain them so that they right. change the way they talk, yeah, because, they talk and they think about it. Yeah, because, because now they recognize conversation. Let's say you're a dental assistant. And, you know, we're, we're talking about every conversation in the office. And the dental assistant says, oh, Mrs. Smith, I understand your, your husband had a heart attack. You know, we, we've got a program in our office now, and, and Dr. Larkin probably needs to see him pretty soon. 
because there's a connection between gum disease and, and, and we need to clear that, you know, we need to make sure that that's not a contributing factor to his heart problems. We need to do, you know, so, so the dental assistant is, is engaging people and saying, you know, th this, is, this is what we now know, okay? This is new information. We now know that there's a connection. And the dental assistant can say, you need to talk to Dr. Larkin about this, okay? That opens up a lot of avenues. Right, you're creating a need, right, in the mind of the patient because now they they have a different understanding because they just thought it's feelings and, you know, they didn't right. understand the connection. They don't understand. Yeah, they don't have any knowledge at all. I, I'm very critical of uh, organized dentistry. We haven't taught we haven't taught the general public anything uh, on, on on care. And that's why when I created my manual, I also have a... Uh, uh, I also have a consumer book. I'll, I'll, at, the, at the end of our conversation, I'll, I'll make it available to your listeners. Uh, but I have, a, I have a, uh, a consumer book that goes with that. That tells them how to how to diagnose uh, how to diagnose themselves at home, a very simple way, and um, and some very effective home treatments that they can do. Yeah. Right. Right. That's amazing. Um, let's. Um Let's talk about, um, you know, the economics of this. Now, let's say I, I'm a dentist and I've been in this commodity business of, you know, fillings and, and uh, you know, what, do you, what, do you, what you call transaction business. Right. Now I'm moving into this relationship business where I'm working right. with my patient to improve the patient's overall health, right? Right. Now we have a relationship. Now the entire team is working on improving the patient's health so the patient can live longer and, be healthier and so forth. Uh, right. How does this change the economics of the practice? Yeah, um, I've got a great I've got a great study to quote for you, and this is super current, and I think people understand this. I'm I'm sure you might you might be aware of a, a company called Dental Intel. It's a company where they provide it, uh, their software taps into your practice management software and gives you real time intelligence on hygiene production per hour, doctor per hour. It's just a real detailed view. And there was an article written by one of the guys. I think he, he was an MBA and he formerly worked there. Now he's, he's I think he's uh, managing practices or buying practices. But he did a study, an extensive study, using, using dental intel and drilling into practices. And he found a very interesting statistic. So... Let's take the, dip, the difference between a practice. The two numbers were 60% compliance with hygiene, meaning that means that 60% of your people are engaged in your repair, okay? They're coming in on a regular basis at a rate of 60%. Let's look at a practice that the repair rate is 90%, okay? The other statistic that you need to know is that 70% of your restorative comes out of hygiene, okay? It drives your practice, whether you believe it or not. Hygiene is essential. So the practice with a 90% hygiene retention, overall gross income is double that of 60, okay? That's without doing anything different, okay? So that's why I'm saying, culturally, this is a value statement. The people in the 90% uh, um, are not missing any appointments because they understand the value of what their hygienist is doing for their overall health. What that does for the doctor, he just doubled his income. Over the average, you know, 60% is probably below average, but, but everyone knows that's a real critical metric is hygiene recare percentage. Everyone 
struggles with that. Everyone is looking for the magic bullet. So when you create this cultural change where all of a sudden, uh, and, 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 and I'm, in, I'm just going to tell you personally, my, my recare, I, you know, especially when I was like teaching, I would miss some appointments and stuff. I don't miss anything anymore. I'm there on the day, okay, because I understand now. And so I'm a dentist, okay. Patients, patients definitely, if you take the time to, to make them aware of the importance, they are not missing. They're not missing because they're investing in their health and they're lowering their health care costs, okay. Now you just doubled, you doubled your practice. It's a dollars and cents. You can you can you can put this right to the bottom line. Right, it makes sense, right? Before you you told me I need it. Now I want it. So now yeah. I'm the one who's asking for it, the patient. So of course, you know, uh, even though the numbers went from sixty percent to ninety percent, your revenues doubled. I mean, you yes. Uh, and and you did nothing different in your practice. You didn't mm. add implants. You didn't add a comb. You didn't add anything. You're not doing Sarex. That's just taking a practice that made a shift in the retention and repair interval. Double. Right. That's impressive. That was a very. I, I, that's, I, I have it in one of my presentations that was published about three or four months ago, and I, well, I locked in on it because I knew that it was that. Those were the numbers that I want. That, that's the number that I want to know. What happens? when you culturally transform the office to, to be wellness-oriented and everybody's on board. Right. That's right. a big number. Absolutely. And I think maybe it also gives the team a purpose, right? It's not just about yeah. oh, how many crowns we sell. It's really about yeah, helping people live better and live longer. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're saving lives. I mean, there isn't any question about it. It's a very, right. very purpose-driven thing. And I, and I think... I know the millennials are, you know, they're very purpose-driven. They they like my message. When they hear my message, it, they pay attention. It's very, it's a very different message. They don't hear it in school, but they pay attention. Right, absolutely. I think millennials are purpose-driven, and uh, it's much easier to motivate millennials with purpose than with money or you know yes. numbers. No question. Of course, they no question. they still are successful when they're purpose-driven, but they start with the purpose, and I think that makes ton of sense. Right, right. Yeah. Sure. Have you spoken to a lot of patients before and after? In other words, you know, when they were with a, you know, you know, drill and fill practice versus a total health practice, how would how would they kind of describe, you know, their experiences? I mean, in your experience. Well, the patients become your best advocate because for the first time, they're very confident, and and we're not going to have time to talk about some of the things longer term, but. But one of the things when patients have chronic dental disease, they become very discouraged. And the dentist is not, you know, for the most part, dentists don't give them solutions. When I sit there and I say, at the end of the conclusion of the program, your risk is now low, zero, just like Dr. Bale does when he, when he completes his treatment and he, and he guarantees that a patient will not have a heart attack, he guarantees it and he measures it and guarantees it. So all of a sudden, the patient has confidence to say, you know, I've always wanted, I've always been interested in bleaching. I've always been interested in, in veneers. They have the confidence that, they, that their work is stable. But if somebody comes in every six months or every year and they always have three cavities, they're not interested in moving forward with, with something that they know is going to fail. Okay? Right. So that's the biggest thing is that the patient has confidence 
and once they get that confidence, you know, it, it, that's yeah, that's the that's the magic. I, I hear you. I mean, um, um, you know, like let's say somebody's trying to convince me to get implants, but I don't have confidence that my dental health is in good shape. I'm not going to do it because I'm afraid right. it's going to fail. Right. right. And uh, and it's yeah. true for me, you know, like because, you know, if I have other issues, you know, like I'm like, I don't get this yet. I don't uh, this is not under control yet. So why do I want to do bigger or better things? Right. You know, I'm playing defense. I'm not playing offense. Yeah. No, it's human nature. <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's just, yeah, that's human nature. Yeah. Right. Makes makes ton of sense. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about your efforts in, you know, helping other doctors. I know you really have been dedicating a lot of time in creating educational material and, you know, working with the Productive uh, Dental Academy and so forth. Um, what's your vision and, and where are things today? Just switching gears a little bit. To, to talk about what's facing, like, the young graduates? Um, yeah, and, and yeah. your work with the Productive uh, d- 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 Dentist Academy. Yeah, so one of the things, this is going to be later this year, the other project that I'm the most passionate about, because I've worked with a lot of young dentists and helping, helping them in startup situations, helping them with associateships, advising them. I've done this over a long series of time. And, and I'm very concerned about the failure rate of first-time associateships, okay? Um, it's, it's, you know, statistically, I don't know what the number is, but I know it's low. The ones that succeed is, are, are, are very low. And that's very costly for the owner Emotionally and financially, it's costly for the associate. And so because probably 90% of young dentists out of school have to go into associateships for economic reasons, we need to create a system. We need to create a system that supports them. And so my vision and and what we're in the process of creating is is a system where as an owner, where where I would be almost a mediator in in the entire process, that I meet with the owner. And I, and I said, what is it that you want to do? You want to, okay, you want to bring in a, uh, an associate? Do you want a partner? Do you want to retire? The, the number one issue is that that relationship is undefined. And I advise young dentists over and over again, don't go into undefined relationships, but they continue to do it over and over again. They get scared, okay? It's a, it's a job. They need a job, and so they don't, they don't put their foot down and say, this thing must be defined, okay? So um, I think if it's defined, it has to be defined on the front end. If a dentist says, I'm retiring in three years, that needs to be, that practice needs to be appraised going in, and some mechanism as to what that looks like in three years needs to be in place. You can't look at it three years down the road. I promise you things will change. The thing that I've seen happen most recently that concerns me the most is I've had a couple of young dentists who were in, they were very good uh, operators, very high producing, thought they were on track partnership or ownership, and the owner sold to corporate entities, sold out from underneath them. And that's devastating. Right. Right. Devastating. And yeah, I heard numbers like 87% of the these kind of partnerships fail. I mean, a massive yeah. percentage of them. Yeah, yeah. And so no one's really going to, so, so basically, the whole Productive Dentist Academy protocol, starting with diagnosis, starting with risk assessment, all the things that I'm talking about, if you're an owner and you're successful and, and you tell me exactly what your goals are, 
and then I line you up with the associate, and then we put you, we will train your associate. He will be a productive associate. He will contribute. Dentists are terrible teachers. You know, they, they don't have teaching degrees. They can barely teach their dental assistant, okay? So how do they, how do they expect this to succeed when they don't know how to teach, okay? So, um, yeah, we've got a great group of coaches. I mean, it's a, it's a proven track record system. We just haven't defined it the way in which I want to define it because I really want to change that going forward for, um, for a lot of reasons, yeah. Right, right. So that's so, kind of a stay, kind of a stay tuned. That that'll be another podcast when we roll that out. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. In terms of um, your work with associates, um, you feel is it is it? You know, I know we talked about training, but why do you think so many partnerships fail? Well, because because first off, I think our I already said it, and I'm an educator. Okay, so I'm pointing at myself. Uh, you know, schools are set up wrong, okay? Uh, people that graduate, even if they take a, uh, you know, residency, they're not dialed in on, 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 on what to do, okay? They still have massive problems with case presentation. Look at the population that they're presenting to in a dental school. They don't have a chance to develop those skills, okay? Those, they don't have, like, a normal population of people that work, okay? So there are things that need to be developed. They need to be coached on personal relationships, how to, all those things that we talked about, you know, relationship-based stuff, right. they don't do that in school. Who cares in school? In school, that person is just, you know, they're, they're like a, a living type of They just want to get their procedure done and, and move on, okay? Right. So, um, so that's where it starts. And, and, then, and, then they, and then those young people scatter out to the wind and find different, quote, unquote, opportunities and then depending on the doctor, you know, on the doctor's skill, you know, the doctors aren't, aren't trained for this. So I think we can make a big, big impact in that world. I'm, I'm 100% confident that we can by doing exactly what I'm talking about, defining the entire thing, making sure that the owner doctor gets what he wants, okay? That's my promise to him, okay? You want to retire in three years, let us train your associate so he gets up to speed so that he can that he can uh, do this transaction, get you where you want to be, and get this young person where they want to be, and just and just stay on top of the thing. Instead of bringing someone in, and the doctor's busy working on his stuff, very poor communication with the young doctor, and it just it's like any relationship; it unravels. Right, right. So makes makes ton of sense. Um, it's yeah. really the skills, it's the training, it's the support, it's the you know, it's all of those things, and Dentists are not, you know, capable of you know, providing that, you know, leadership and the training and the no. support no. in making that transition work. And neither the junior associate nor the, you know, the seasoned dentist. So pretty much right. they go in with good intentions when it fails, and then uh, the senior seasoned dentist blames the junior dentist and vice versa, and nobody's happy. Exactly. Exactly. So that's a. There's a lot of opportunity there. There's a lot of opportunity. No, there's no question. I'm 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 excited about that. I mean, by the by the end of this year, between the oral systemic program and and then the uh, the new associate program, uh, I'm going to be a pretty happy person. I'm going to be, you know, we'll be affecting a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I can understand the opposite of this, right? Which is, you know, dentists are pretty much, uh, you know, uh, not enjoying themselves, not you know, changing right. lives, not having. Right. 
great practices. They are, you know, barely making it. So the opposite of it is, you know, not that great. But this is awesome. You know, they are changing yeah. lives. They are having healthy practices. They are creating a good living for themselves. The seasoned dentists plus, you know, the you know the young dentists coming in. So everybody wins. Everybody wins. Absolutely. Right. So let me make a um, uh, an offer here at the end. Um, if anybody wants to get in contact with me, is that okay? Absolutely, Doctor. Yeah. How can they find you? So, so my email is tom at tomlarkin dot com, and my book is is going through a second reprint. My book on prevention. It's called I'm Free. So it's kind of right now. It's it's um, being reloaded on Amazon. But if anybody reaches out to me at tom at tomlarkin dot com and just gives me their their contact information, I'll send them a free copy as soon as I get them in. They'll be in in about two or three weeks. And this is my consumer book, and, and it's really, you know, it's just kind of an overview of, of what I, you know, I give that book to every patient, okay? And, and, and it would really describe the style of practice of what I'm talking about. So I'd be more than happy to uh, give that to anybody in your uh, listening audience. That would be awesome. What's the name of the book again? Um, it's, called, I'm, it's, called, it's called I'm Free. And, I'm and, that, free. and getting back to that whole concept, I'm free of gum disease. I'm free of dental, of, uh, dental caries. Yeah, I just want to show you how to be free from the scourge of oral disease. And that's the name of the book. Right. I'm free. And they can get a copy at no cost uh, by right. just emailing just email, you at tomlarkin.com. Yeah, and then my website is tomlarkin.com. All my contact information is there and uh, the links to my prevention course, everything is on that site, tomlarkin.com. Perfect. And you do check your email, so if somebody has a question or they want to talk to yeah. you, then they can reach out to you through email? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Actually, I'm on tomlarkin.com. It's a nice website, T-O-M-Larkin, L-A-R-K-I-N.com. Right. And, uh, yeah, all your information is right there, so that's awesome. Yeah. Very good. Uh, I've really enjoyed this. I hope uh, I hope it lived up to your expectations. <laughs> oh, absolutely, Doctor. This is uh, wonderful. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this with me. You know, I know a lot of uh, doctors will be very thankful because of the content that you you know shared with us, especially around oral systemic health and also around you know associates. Um, I, I would like to have you back at some point and uh, sure. maybe Watch talk the about. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Doctor. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Growing Dentist podcast show. And today you are listening to Dr. Tom Larkin. Thank you.